Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Social Liability Podcast, a podcast where two middle-aged men sit around and complain about how people violate the social contract we all have agreed to live by. I'm your host, the Raz Grease, with my co-host, the Buck Rundle, as we discuss in this week's episode, buying a car. I have not ever had a happy experience buying a car, Buck. I I really have never not no I just no no buying a car has never been pleasant I can't even put a positive spin on that essentially you're you're going into a building where everything's already stacked against you to begin with where even the, the way the tables are set up are designed to manipulate you in some way and we're running into where we have people trying to get you to sign a piece of paper and hand over however many thousands of dollars so they can give you, in most cases, let's say you're buying a used car, a used piece of crap, where they have done everything possible to make it look like it's a shiny pearl. Yeah, yeah. The, a lot of times you do walk into places where they expect you to try and pick up the turd from the clean end. That is very true. Newsflash, folks. There is no clean end. So, uh, you actually went for a, a, a time, uh, joined the forces of evil and decide to sell cars for a living so you know all the ins and outs about it and we've gotten to the point where i've actually been at dealerships and i've called you and said should i do this or not and typically you try to push leases on me and i want to shove that up your butt but uh, you need somebody who's actually has <laughs> inside knowledge in a way in an attempt to get over on these people but it's it's like being in vegas the house is always going to win you're never going to get over on them. More often than not, that is that is kind of true, and it shouldn't be. Um, and that's why I'm glad that you've called me up when you were at dealerships trying to buy cars, because I do I do know the ins and outs of that business fairly well. You know, I've I've held a multitude of positions in the car buying and selling universe, and uh, everywhere from being the casual customer all the way up to being the finance guy. Um, who who gets you your loan? I've even worked in the uh, credit side of things, so it it can definitely be a really convoluted system. And uh, and if you aren't careful, there there are people who will do their best to pull the wool over your eyes for their own gain. When when someone puts in front of you, you know. Thirty or forty pages of a contract says sign here, initial here, sign here, and here and here and here. We all know that you're not reading that damn contract. We know that, and they know that. That's the most important aspect of it. And I'm sorry, I know you did it for a living, there, Buck. But car salesmen, at their core, are con men. I before I went to work for the Department of Corrections, I actually got hired by a car dealership. Uh, it was in Frederick, Maryland. And I was going through their Automax classes and I got a phone call right near the end of the week saying, Hey, would you like to come work for the DOC? And I said, yeah, I would much rather be locked up in a room with 30 to 60 people that want to see me dead. A lot, lot better than selling cars. So I never came back on Monday morning and I went and worked for the, worked for the prison. Well, I mean, you know, 
it really does seem like they're all crooks, but I'll 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 be completely frank with you when I say that there are a lot more politicians, lawyers, and you know judges in jail than there are car salesmen, and it it really boils down to the to the pressure that goes on to those dealerships to meet those quotas and and the penalties that they incur if they don't and those penalties are are tens of thousands and sometimes even hundreds of thousands of dollars for not meeting a number so their sole purpose is to hit that number and you know a lot of times it really sounds bad but they'll do whatever it takes to do it and it's not always about pulling the wool over somebody's eyes. You, you, there are a lot of those fly-by-night organizations that go out there and try through any, you know, chicanerous means to, to get somebody to buy a car. Those, those situations do exist, but a lot of it, you know, you can go into a new car dealership at the end of the month and walk out feeling like you robbed the place because those the pressure is so high. So, I'm I'm a little slower to call them all crooks, but I definitely will say that there are a large portion of of crooks in 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 the rankings of car salesmen. Yeah, I I I actually ran into that exact scenario you're talking about, the end of the month feeling like you robbed them. Uh there was a scenario where I was looking at a uh, it was a Kia Sportage. That's what it was. It was a Kia Sportage at a Kia dealership. And I looked at it, and they just could not meet the the monthly payment number I wanted without pulling that chicanery of, well, I know you want a five-year loan, but if we give you a six-year loan, uh, we can get you pretty close to the payment numbers you want. Unfortunately, that would also add um, you know several thousand dollars to the price, so uh, bite me. And I told them as much and left. Well, on December 31st, they called me back. And said, listen, do you still want that car? I said, as a matter of fact, I wouldn't mind having that car. Well, can you come down to the dealership? No, it's over an hour away. Why would I come down there? I'm not going to continue to argue with you. This is the number I want. Meet the number. Then I'll come down. And within five minutes, they met my number. And that number was, I, I know for a fact, they lost money on that sale. They lost money on that car. I know for a fact they did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, during the end of the month, you will get yourself a squeal of a deal. Car dealers have to meet a number. And I'm telling you, taking a $4,000 loss on a car is nothing compared to a $60,000 loss for not hitting your 100% goal. And... That's sixty percent loss, as in like you've got to pay back probably sixty or seventy thousand dollars worth of monies to the dealer to the uh, to the Toyota dealer so, or to the Nissan dealer. What a lot of people don't realize is we have what's called franchise laws in the United States. Franchise laws are put in place almost strictly for car dealerships, and they they're the reason you don't see a a Tesla dealership <laughs> that you have to buy it directly from the manufacturer. Uh, the, the, the way the laws work, and I'm not a lawyer and I can't, I do not have everything in front of me. I could do an entire documentary on franchise laws, but we, we come down to the point where have you ever seen a Ford dealership across the street from another Ford dealership? 
I can guarantee you, you haven't. Fun. I can guarantee you, you haven't unless they're owned by the same company. Because what they end up doing is they're literally monopolizing certain areas by them buying into these franchises and having you know, the cars directly from their manufacturers. Now, a lot of times those cars, now you can correct me if I'm wrong on this there, Buck, they don't put those, that they don't get, they don't put that money up from, to the dealer. I'm sorry, to the, the manufacturer for the vehicles. That no. money, those vehicles no, are there essentially on commission. So they have to sell X I amount of commission, but yeah. Well, I'm not sure what way to put it, but essentially they're 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 fronted the vehicles. Maybe that's a better way to put it. That that's a better way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna front. We're gonna front the vehicles to them, and they have you know certain expectations they have to meet, and they have to sell so many cars a month. Now, they and other industries that sell new and used product. A lot of times, they the more profitable items are used. Is that the same way it is in the car industry? That is also correct. Now, to a degree, to a degree, but continue on with your thought there. Well, I, I'm pretty much coming to the end of it, really. So you're kind of if you want to buy a Ford, you are going down to you know, you know Harry's Ford dealership because that's the only one within driving distance unless you're going for a used car and then you can you know find buy here pay here or whatever nonsensical stuff on every street corner but if you're actually going to an honest uh, legit dealership when i say legit it's you know it's crooked as a day is long but it's still a dealership they're that's the only one you, you don't have a choice unless you're shopping around between brands and for some reason people have this nonsensical uh, ideology that they're well my family's a Ford family my family only buys Chevys. Well, what have you? So, <laughs> I, right, it's right. just complete nonsense. But nevertheless, some people, that's the way they are. And if you are, you know, whatever. You, uh, you consider me wrong. But it, relying on that one single um, brand is just, you're, you're kind of walling yourself in. Because you don't have an opportunity then to look around and find out what is a better product. I'm all for brand loyalty. By, I really am. I've had the same car insurance since I was 16 years old. And I could go cheaper, but every time I've ever had a claim, I get it picked up in a heartbeat. So I'm not about to change because the company took care of me. But when it comes to cars, that's like buying, you know, I like white bread. So I only buy Wonder Bread. I'll never buy Italian bread, you know? Right, right. And yes, yes, you are correct. Now, I will say that they're not right across the street from each other, but you might see two of them. Like, I think there's a distance that they have to be apart. I think it's something like 30 miles or something like that um, be between one Ford or one Toyota or one Nissan. I think they all have, like, mileage caps. So with all that being said, let's let's backtrack a little bit and get away from uh your experience as a salesman which we are going to talk about in depth trust me on that but what is your absolute worst experience and give me like the, what made it the worst experience you ever had buying a car because i'm sure somebody listening to this can sympathize well um my ex-wife and i were going to buy a 2003 gmc envoy um because we needed a car that would accommodate two children and all of our stuff. We only had a 2006 Honda Civic. 
And yeah, we were trading down, and yeah, we were trading a hybrid vehicle for a gas guzzler, and we were already behind the eight ball. I was not happy to go in. I I really just I really love that Civic. I didn't want to get rid of it. But um, going in there, we met with a salesman who really didn't listen to anything we had to say, and just matched up. It, it, I have a lot of buyer's remorse from that because I know I could have got or purchased a uh, a more sensible vehicle, but I really feel as if we were pushed into that one. And that was the only one that they were trying to pinpoint us at. And they claimed that it was the only one within our budget and it was the only one for this and the only one for that. So after we bought it, we bought it and all of its problems, which were so many um it it was just it was a bad purchase the whole way around you know we we didn't get the loan that we wanted from the bank my ex-wife had stellar credit um there shouldn't have been a problem with that and we got nothing but resistance the whole way around but we really felt like our hands were tied and you know kudos to my ex-wife for being the pit bull that she really is and did not accept anybody's answers for you know not fixing the problems that already existed with the vehicle because I would have buckled over and just took it whereas whereas she she definitely rose to the occasion on that but it was just all the way around it was just bad you know we've all had the 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 buying a car you go in there and they already know yes you I'm telling them I'm looking for this kind of car that don't matter they already know what kind of car they want to sell me the one that's going to put the most coin in their pocket or the one that they're uh, being told by their their boss or the manufacturer this is the car we're pushing right now so they're they, they have every incentive to try to sell you something you don't want if you happen to want that car you know it's just a happy accident that that's they're not there to help you they're there to help themselves now they're going to tell you i'm going to take care of you i'm here for you bull crap they're there to make a dime i mean that's all there is <laughs> and i'll tell you the the, the 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 really like the shittiest one i ever had was one of the last uh times i was at a dealership and they the dealership just got taken over by a new manager and they love telling me oh we're non-commission based everyone here's paid salary we're non-commission based we're non-commission based so it doesn't matter what i sell because i'm not getting that cut of it because we're non-commission based and I looked that guy right in the eye and said, yeah, you may not be commission-based, you may be salary, but look at me honestly and say, if you don't sell a certain amount of cars, your ass is out of here at the end of the month. Uh-huh, uh-huh, that is correct. So he instantly shut up and he didn't know what to say. <laughs> uh, so don't listen to their rhetoric. Anything that comes out of their mouth is a damn lie. Or maybe not a lie, but it's definitely self-serving. In most cases, yeah. In most cases, yes. And it's just a, it's it, just, it's just a, they're they're salesmen. I mean, I mean, before I went to work for the DOC, I like I said earlier, I was in the Auto Max class because I was going to be a car salesman. And the kind of stuff they were teaching you is not like this is how this kind of paperwork has to be done. You know, these are the laws around this. It was get yourself a CD book and have a, a, a CD of like the top 20 country songs, a top country rock songs, top 
you know, 20 R&B songs. And that way, when you find out what kind of music they like and you pull the car around, you already have a CD in there playing the music they like. Uh, when you go on a test drive, make sure you only make left turns. So, because they make a right turn, they have to think about it and they, they'll be more apt to see the blind spot from the A post on the right side. You know, just stuff like that. That's the stuff they're teaching you right out the gate for selling cars. Not, for, not how to do it you know, lawfully and do it correctly and do it ethically. It's, these are the ways that you can manipulate the mind into purchasing something and bending them to your will. I had a completely opposite training experience, and I'll tell you, it might be because I worked for such a large syndicate of car dealers. They had 104 dealerships across the country at the time that I worked for them, and everything that we learned, you know, don't get me wrong, there was the, this is how you sell a car, this is how you sell a car, but it was all, this is how you sell a car legally, this is how you maintain the moral high ground because if you don't you're fired and we'll make sure that any lawsuits or damages they get paid by you and that is it so I had a, I had a much different experience but I can definitely you know co-sign the fact that there are there are a bunch of organizations <laughs> that do focus more. I see what you did there co-sign <laughs> yes sir yes sir <laughs> Oh my lord! Uh, so hey, man, you can take the guy off the car lot, but you can't take the car lot out of the guy. I love that job. <laughs> Actually, I think you did. I, just did. I honestly think you did. Cause you like you, you have a, 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 an affinity for interacting with people, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, the way they're treating you. You still like to interact with them. I don't know why, and that's how you and I differ totally. I don't put up with people's nonsense, and you seem to thrive on it. Yeah, but you know what? Our friendship is the definite result of uh, of ionic bonding, man. Opposites attracted. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, what is the worst experience we've had buying a car. But you, as a seller, what's the worst customer you've had to deal with? Oh, man. I'm putting you on the spot. I would have I to say... No, not really, not really, because I I actually really enjoyed being around people. So every single customer that I ever had, I never really had a problem with until, <laughs> until, until. So it's not a specific customer, but I would say that the worst type of customer that I had were the ones that were told something contrary to what I had been, you know, pretty much telling them the whole time by a sales manager and then the sales manager goes back and does something completely different and then everything you try to do after that you are now the car salesman you are the smarmy smarmy car salesman so when somebody would would skew the process in a way to make me look like that that's that's when I would get terrible customers um, you know if uh, if I told them they were going to be getting their 1.9 percent, and they go back and the finance manager is selling, trying trying to get them 2.9 percent, it's like no, 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 no. Like that's when things would always get ugly for me. Well, at that point, you've actually pretty much passed them off. But I mean, do you get a lot of people that yeah. come in there and uh, yeah, this this was a number of years ago now. So I bet, but smartphones were still a thing. 
do you ever have the people yeah. come in there and say, well, at this dealership, I saw it sell online for this and they try to get you to price match or anything like that? Well, you know, I used to, I used to get a lot of those people, but it, <laughs> I, I really hate to fall back on this, but nobody really argued with me because I was handicapped. <laughs> <laughs> you straight up use the cripple card to sell cars. I, I really, really did, man, because I sold them in South Carolina. It was so hot. Like, they'd see me out on the parking lot, and, you know, everybody hates going into a dealership. Everybody hates going into the dealership. But not for me, man. I would tiny Tim every single one of them in there. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, at that point, you still had the, you still had the double sticks, right? Oh, yeah. So you're, oh, yeah. you're definitely but... tiny Tim in it. <laughs> Oh yeah, I really did. One of my finance managers actually nicknamed me Tiny Tim, <laughs> which is hilarious because you're over six foot tall. <laughs> yep, but boy, oh boy, I would. And it was the truth, though. I'd look at him and I'd be like, "Listen, whatever price thing you think you have from another dealership, that's great, but it is so hot out here, and I just want to sit down and I want to help you, but I can't do it in this heat. Can we please just go sit down?" And they'd look at me and they'd be like, well, 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 well yeah, 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 yeah. And we'd just go in there and sit down in a nice air-conditioned office and they could tell me whatever they wanted to. Because, oh, my Lord. You so, know, at so that point. Here's the biggest yeah. tip you're going to take away from this podcast, folks. If your uh, car salesman is in a wheelchair, <laughs> ask for a different car salesman. Because <laughs> they're no, going to play in the sympathy on you bad. No, actually, quite, quite the contrary. Because that I actually used that more to my customer's advantage than I ever did for my dealership. Because I'll tell you what, nobody, every single person who's ever bought a car with me will tell you that it was fast. Because there was none of that negotiating. I didn't go back and forth. No, 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 no. I went to the sales manager, and I said, and I would go, this is what they think they're going to pay for this car. Well, you go back and tell them this. I'm like, all right. I go back one time and tell a customer, this is what the sales manager has. And right after that, I would stop the ball. The customer would be like, I'm not paying that. I'd be like, you know what? Write down what you're going to pay. Tell me what you want to pay. I'd go back up to the sales manager and I'd be like, they said that they're not going to pay any more than this. And if you expect me to walk back and forth on my forearm crutches, you are out of your mind. You can go in there and convince that customer to pay this out outrageous number for that car. You can go negotiate this because I'm not playing this game. And the sales manager will walk right in there and the sales manager would negotiate the price of the customer and I would have a very happy customer. Because it was quick and easy and not very much time at all for them. All because I wasn't going to walk back and forth. I just wouldn't. You know, I, I just, I'm not playing that game. I certainly didn't like sitting through it. If I were, if I were, in, if I were on the other side of that desk, I wouldn't put up with that crap either. So I, brother, I, I went used, through a scenario uh, with a, a dealership. It was an Kia dealership. And I went through this scenario back and forth, back and forth with the little salesman run over talking to the sales manager. And it, it, you could see he was pantomiming, just trying his his darndest to make it look as though he was like really advocating for me. 
those two are working together. I know that. Don't try to buffalo me. But, oh yeah, never with me. I had never played that. Mm-mm. But they so they had the car I wanted, but they didn't have the color. And I told them, okay, I want this car in black. At the time, I for work purposes, oddly as that sounds, I needed a car that was of a certain color, and black was one of those colors. And it's like, okay, that's what I that's what I want. They didn't have it on the lot. They said this was on a Friday. They said we'll have it here Monday morning. Okay. Monday morning comes rolling around. No car. I'll give them to the afternoon. No car. Next day, no car. Oh. Thursday. Where the hell is my car? Oh, I don't know when it's going to come in. Well, you can take this deal and shove it up your ass. Oh, we have a contract. Oh, no, we don't. No, you don't. <laughs> they, they straight up lied and tried to say that I was contractually obligated to take that car whenever the hell they decide to have it show up. Nope, you are not contractually obligated to shit until your four wheels and the car that you agreed to buy go across that curb. You can pull the trigger at any time. Or not pull the trigger, but yank the rug out. Unload the gun. Yes, sir. There we go. So let's let's talk about stuff like that. Because right there is one of the things that they, they legit tried to lie and trick me. What do you need to do? As a, as a consumer, going into a car lot to buy a car, what do you need to do to make sure you don't get taken advantage of by a car dealership? Well, the first thing that you need to do is hold yourself within the boundaries of reality. Because there are some people who think that they deserve you know, the 850 credit score deal when they got a 450 credit score, and that just ain't happening. Now, you can, you can take your, your butt down to Pablo's buy here, pay here. Yes. Because you ain't going to go up to the Rolls-Royce dealership and roll out happy. You know, if you don't have great credit, truly, truly great credit, you are not going to walk out with a truly, truly great deal. The ones that they advertise on commercials and stuff like that, they say in the fine print down at the bottom of the commercials that they are in that they are legally, like, mandated to put there that you got to have a certain amount of credit. You got to have a certain amount of this and that. Yeah, they're super quick and yeah, they're super little, but I mean like they got to get you in the door somehow. So, you know, so realistic expectations based upon your own individual credit and finances are the first thing you got to have when you walk into that dealership. Second thing you got to have is you know, realistic expectations of what you want versus what you need. Because when people buy cars, they, they, they need to put a marriage between their wants and their needs. Because if not, you will have buyer's remorse. You'll find out that, yeah, you got the car that you always wanted, but you can't use it for everything that you want to use it for because, you know, you didn't think about storage space with everything involved. I mean, like, you know, there are things that pop up. So you got you to gotta do your research and and find you know look for the car that you truly like should have um because when people go into car dealerships they they tend to lose sight of that really quick and it turns turns an otherwise good experience bad quickly um as far as getting cheated goes you, I'm sorry there's a sucker born every day there really is and to avoid being that sucker, you need to do your research on on you know things like your values, 
uh, and I don't mean like your core values, like <laughs> you believe, you know, what you believe in your heart of hearts. No, nobody, I'm not, not referring to that. No, you I'm need to believe the, what's in your wallet of wallets. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Everybody wants the forerunner, but you know what? You, sometimes you're just going to have to deal with the fact that you're going to roll out in a Corolla. It's just it. That's just it. <laughs> you know, um, things like features, you know, flexibility and things like that, that. Those are arguable things that you should be prepared for because, again, it's not a pack of gum. You want what you want, and if you can't get it, don't get it. You know, don't don't pay for something that you don't want. Don't let anybody trick you or convince you to go into something that you don't want to go into. You got to hold your ground. That's a big one. Okay, if you gotta have a certain color for whatever whatever reason, well, damn it, stick to that color. Okay, if you gotta have the power floor mats, the yogurt maker, and the dual satellite dishes in your car, then you know, make sure you know that A, those things cost money and that you will pay for them, but B, if you have to have them, don't let anybody convince you that you don't, you know? If you're willing to pay for it, damn it, get it. You know, a lot of a lot of car dealers try to get you to make concessions because they got to sell what's on the lot first, okay? That's that's a big thing, you know? That's, that's where a lot of... Uh, a lot of horror stories come from because car dealers have to sell their stock first and if they don't they kind of get the you know the crap end of the stick because if they got a dealer trade a car in because you got to have the periwinkle blue and they don't have it on their lot well the other dealer gets credit for that number not the one that you sold it from and that kind of hurts the dealer so they they try to convince you to go otherwise. If you gotta have it and you really really want it, don't don't settle for less. Um, that's 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 a big one. So I think primarily you need to go in there with a game plan and you need to have a certain number that you're willing to pay and yes. just lock lock it in, man. Don't don't be exactly. flexible on there. Well, it's only three dollars yeah. more a month. Screw you, then drop your price. Exactly. I'm not raising mine. You drop yours. And <laughs> you can always wait. The only person who has any power or authority in a car dealership is the customer. You want to know why? Because the customer can say the word no. And once the customer says the word no, the deal is done. There is no more, like, illusions or, or concessions or bargaining. Once the customer says no, your sale is dead. And you as the customer have all of that power. Well, here's another thing, too. And that this is just things I've learned over the years. And tell me if I'm wrong. Because I, well, you and I have not discussed this. But I've gone on to lots. And I have made a salesman spend his entire damn day with me. I, I Make him spend the entire day with me. Yeah, it's boring as hell. But I will ruin his day. And when it comes down to time, to the real nut-cutting time, whether we're going to say yes or no, if I say no, he just lost an entire day's worth of sales. And that sounds like an asshole thing. And it's not something I actually have done intentionally. But I'm very particular, and I will not compromise. If I go in there with a number, 
that is the number I'm not coming off of. And I have, I, I used specifically use the term uh, $3 because I have walked away over $3. Now, when I did that, I knew they had my phone number and I knew they would not let me get to the door. And I've actually, you know, done that where I've gotten up and pl- did the power move of walking out and had the sales manager chase me across the parking lot. And when you tell them it's over $3, all of a sudden, maybe we can talk. No, no, tell me right now because I'm not going back inside until you give me what I want. And it's it's worked. And it does. And it and it will. If And now, there are times, though, when there's literally no more room in a car. Like, there, there are stop gaps that even the dealership is not allowed to go past due to, you know, and I, I always say Toyota because I worked at a Toyota dealership and I loved every second of it. But, you know, if Mr. Toyota says that you can't take any more of this of a loss, then you can't, you, you cannot go any, any further. Um, a good, a good thing to look at are, you know, there, there, there are certain people who just really don't, care about features they're they're strictly payment buyers and if you've got a car that fits within the payment um, they'll they'll buy and those are my favorite customers because they're the easiest ones to work with because you know the the car that they see and that they like they can't get in their budget because of that stopgap that the dealership has but we have the exact same car in a different color that's been on the lot for a hundred days, say, you know, and I, th- th- most dealerships have a limit of how long they can keep a new car on the lot before they sell it and have to send it back. And if they send it back, then whoo, you don't want to be the dealer. So they need to get rid of those cars, and those cars they can go even deeper than the, you know, than the limit. The limits increase based on their time on the lot. So you get an older car. You know, and by I say older, I mean like it's been on a lot for three months. You're gonna get a better deal on it. So there's that to keep in mind too. And these these aren't sales tricks. These are these are actually tricks that benefit the consumer. Because if you're not tied to a certain feature or a certain color, and you just really really need that payment, well, the car you're looking at, you might love it, but there's one that's 60 days older. And now that one fits within your budget. Just remember that your options are open when you go and buy a when you go and buy a new car. Indeed. And another thing that I've noticed is it it might be a generational thing. It might just be age, but uh, it, it, there's there seems to be a, a shift. But it used to be that most of your car salesmen were older males. That's just a reality. Now it, uh, you're you're seeing a shift to the the more younger, sexier uh, car dealer, just because that's what people want to see and they're more likely to to buy from. But it was, and in some regions, still is, uh, you know, dominated older white male demographic as your salesman, and you are definitely going to see, and probably even still so in the younger generation, uh, a lot of sexism. So you, you'll definitely see oh, yeah. men be able to get better deals than women. And my wife can attest to that nonsense. And we've gone into uh, uh, dealerships to look for a car, and they will literally try to divide us. They'll, they'll try to, 
well, let's talk about all these features. And they're talking to her. Then they start talking about money and they're talking to me, but they're trying to get her to play me to get, you know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Well, contrary to their uh, thought process, my wife's more likely to tell you to go F yourself than I am. <laughs> yes, she is. And yes, she is. <laughs> what are you saying? What are you saying, Buck? You talking? Your wife is a pearl, and I love her with every fiber of my being, and please don't hurt me. And you're great. She's not here right now. Yeah, but she might listen later, and she knows more than I I fear her leave me alone <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> but you know her and I have gone in there we've actually come up with game plans beforehand we have a number we're not coming off that number she does the research she knows exactly what um, the, the cars are selling for in the region uh, She she's a researcher by trade she will uh, research the hell out of it and she knows what the price we're going to pay before we go in there. And if they're not willing to meet that price, <laughs> screw them. We're done. You know, I always, I think it's funny, and and I'll, I'll definitely confirm the fact that you and your wife are a powerhouse together. Like, even if it looks like you aren't agreeing on something, it's because you planned it that way. And, and you guys definitely plan ahead and work with each other, amazingly. Is that it? You just you just wanted to blow sunshine up my ass? No, I'm more so trying to get favor with your wife because I made her sound like a monster earlier, and she's such a great person, and I think that she deserves some accolades. So you want to blow sunshine up her ass? Yes. <laughs> so, it, 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 if the one, what's the most important thing if you had to impart on somebody? going out to buy a car what is the most important thing that you'd have to tell them well it's all going to start with finding a salesman that you enjoy working with and if so you can do that you're already doomed already because I don't enjoy car salesmen well unfortunately you are doomed but you got to find the closest thing to, to common ground with the salesman that you're working with and if you can do that and and create some sort of genuine connection with the person actually helping you buy this car, then you will definitely walk out a winner. It's when you resist or or work against or you know go in with an attitude against car salesmen in general that you will find more resistance. And you know nobody. I'm telling you, people people are a lot smarter than they give themselves credit for in, in most situations. And under ideal circumstances, you're not going to let somebody take you for a ride to begin with, you know, or, or sell you something to begin with. You're not – just don't go in there and get treated like an idiot. You know, stick to your grounds and stand up for your convictions and you'll be fine. So – the biggest thing I look for when I'm looking for a car dealership, I want to see the damn price on the window. That means nothing. No, it means something to me. I want to look around. I don't want you breathing down my damn neck, trying to make small talk okay. with me and everything else. 
because you have the magical list in your back pocket that you won't give to me so that I ask about a car and you have to start telling me all about the damn car without giving me the price instead of having the damn thing on the window so I can just look around. Yeah, I know you're going to come up to me because you got to establish, yep, this is my customer because it's my turn or however the rotation works at that particular lot. But fine, you've established it. You are the salesman I'm going to deal with. Where will you be? I will come find you when I want information. Go away. I want to see the damn numbers on the car. I have literally, and I know it, I know it pisses them off. Rolled around a car lot in my car, not getting out with the windows up because I don't want to talk to them. I want to see what cars they have available that I'm interested in talking to them about before I have them crawling halfway up my ass trying to sell me the featured vehicle on the showroom floor. Oh, man. Uh, You know what? There's such an easy way to avoid that. There's such an easy way to avoid that. And when you drive onto the car lot, the first thing you should do is look at the front row. Don't look at the cars. Don't look at any window stickers. Just look at all the salesmen that you see outside the store. Look at one of them and say, when I'm ready to talk numbers with somebody, I'm going to look for you. And then drive away. And once you are claimed by somebody, once a car salesman says, that's my customer, no one else will talk to you. The reason why they come out and try to act all smarmy and everything like that is because of, like you said, the ro- there is no rotation. Whoever takes the customer out, whoever the customer requests to work with, whoever spends time or makes first contact with the customer, that's the person who gets the sale. So that's why they come out and hound you like that. If you just go up to the car lot and immediately go, when I'm ready to test drive, you're the guy I'm talking to. I'm going to go look at window stickers. I'll come and find you. If you say that, no problems whatsoever. Or if you don't want to go that route, if they come up to you, just say you have an appointment with another salesman. <laughs> you, can, you can do that. I, I get it. I get it. But there are definitely those lots where they will not tell you the damn price of the car. Oh, no. The, those lot, I would shy away from that lot completely. If they don't have a price on the window, that, do not engage. Abort, abort, abort mission. Abort. That's called the Monroney label. And those labels are legally mandated to be on every single car, whether it be used or new or anything. They got to have that Monroney label. If they don't have a price on the window, do not engage. See, I didn't know they legally had to have it on there. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So what information has to be on a Monroney label? Monroney labels got to have everything about the car, the transmissions, all of it. You know, the window sticker. Yeah. Uh, and and it's going to have the MSRP of the vehicle and what they are selling it for. And those two numbers are always going to differ because if it's like a model that's got like a special GPS or something like that, it's going to reflect on the Monroney label and it's going to increase the price from the MSRP to whatever they're selling it for. So if you see an MSRP is say twenty five grand, but the sale price of the car is you know twenty seven, it's because it's got added features on there, or it might be even a special paint color or something like that. But the Monroney label will disclose every single reason and discrepancy behind the price of the car. 
You see, Buck, that's the kind of information we need. We need the legalese. So what other legal requirements or, or somewhat shady practices have you seen or heard of occurring? Because none of them happened on your lot. We know that. <laughs> well, listen, uh, it's really difficult to to, uh, to monkey around with a, with a new car. Um, a lot of the uh, tricks and stuff like that come from used cars. And although I've sold a few... I don't have a lot of experience with used car sales. I will say that um, they will sometimes forget or leave off disclosures about things that are wrong with the vehicle because a Monroney label for, on it for a used car has to fully disclose anything that is not fixed or repaired or that may be wrong with the vehicle. Like it was in a flood? Uh, yes. Well, I mean, like it'll say it'll it'll say it'll have to say something to that effect. But yes, if it's damaged, why it's damaged, what hasn't been repaired, you know, all of that stuff. It's kind of like you know, your buyer beware label on a used car. Well, and also you need to also research your state too, because as exactly. is may not may not mean as is. There's lemon laws that vary from state to state. So you need to do your research and make sure you're actually uh, know what you're doing before you actually purchase the car, not after you've got yourself a uh, a hunk of metal sitting in the front yard. Yeah, and Monroney label is not on a used car. They're called buyer's guides. I forgot about that. It's called a buyer's guide. On a used car, the, the label that's uh, taped onto a used car will be a buyer's guide. And that's supposed to disclose everything about that vehicle. Outstanding, and I, I think the final thing I got to warn people about is if it's a buy here, pay here place, yeah, just 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 prepare your anus, take some lube with you, because it ain't gonna end well. No, no, it will not. Um, buy here, pay here's don't even have respect in the. They have the. They don't even have the respect of disrespectful car salesmen. Yeah, I mean when I left. Uh, the, the prison system i actually did uh vehicle repossessions for a while in baltimore dc and harrisburg of all places and i, I learned uh, many things um the chevy cruise was the most repoed car because people got talked into buying that piece of crap uh, a lot of buy here pay here places made their money off selling the same car to multiple people and hoping that it gets repoed so they could sell it again I literally towed a car, and then about a month later, I went somewhere else, nearby, but somewhere else, and I picked up the same damn car. I had to go back and look at my log and just verify it was the same VIN number. Different different client, different everything. But those buy here, pay here places, they hope that you <laughs> that they get so much money out, out of you before you default so they can repo it and sell it again. Yeah, and, and a lot of those buy here, pay here places, they're just going to auctions and saying, "All right, uh, that one's low enough, I'll buy it," and then just throwing it in the lot. <laughs> they're not. It it might run <laughs> enough for enough for a test drive, anyhow. And you know, a lot of times when you have and this, this people that sell cars know this, you pop the battery terminals off. Um, guess what? <laughs> the uh, the warning lights go away. And they'll stay off for a little while until the car's driven a couple miles. So as long as they keep the test drive short, you know, those warning lights ain't going to pop up. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
So those buy here, pay here places, I mean, there's, there's, there, unfortunately they're a necessary evil for some people that depending on their financial situation or their, uh, their credit history. So they're never going to go away because they're going to be there, but like check cashing places, which are in some, some cases necessities, they are predatory by nature. Yep. And you know, I said it earlier, there is a sucker born every day and that's why these places still thrive. So typically in these podcasts, we, you know, bitch, moan and complain. And, you know, this is more or less almost like a buying guide for a car, you know, from, from an inside perspective, uh, mostly bucks, but, and me complaining. So he's defending the car industry a little bit here and I I can't blame him. A little bit, a little bit, (laughs) but I I think we have some uh, new topics coming up. Uh, We're getting into our stride on here, I think. And we have some ideas for new episodes coming out, but we always like to hear your ideas about what two middle-aged grumpy guys can complain about. And if you have any ideas, please leave them in the comment section or contact us at social liability at iCloud.com. And you can listen to us on just about every podcast platform available right now. <laughs> I think the only one we have left, Buck, is iTunes, and that should be in the very near future. We'll be on there as well. But you can catch us on CastBox, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, uh, and even on YouTube, for that matter, because all of our uh, shows are uploaded onto the Mount Moon Crew uh, YouTube channel, uh, where you can check out other podcasts of a nerdy nature and less adult-oriented, but nevertheless fun. So other than that, um, we'll see you on the next episode of the Social Liability Podcast, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs>